back again, Vol Nation, with the Field of 68 Big and Podcast. Make sure you subscribe for us, Field of 68 Network, Big and Podcast. And, man, we've had some great guests. I'm as excited about this one, and I hope you are too. My man, former assistant coach on my Tennessee staff, uh, has gone won every, everywhere he's been, from the JUCO ranks um, to the Power Five to now getting his first head coaching opportunity in a Power Five conference long overdue at Wake Forest, the men's basketball coach, Stephen Forbes. Forbesy, how are you, man? What up, Dane? Did you, did you memorize that or did you have that written down? No, um, yeah, th- there was a lot of things I tried to not say. I was like, well, you know, let me give him a proper introduction. But uh, I'm actually down here with family in Destin, Florida. What I did not mention is that uh, where you were coach at Northwest Community College right down the road, um, at Pompano Joe's, they still have your picture up for most Bloody Marys ever consumed on a Sunday morning. But uh, <laughs> there we go. I, you know what, guys? I'm joking about the picture. It's not there. However, the legend uh, still seems to be well, there. Let me tell you how much respect I had it in, in Northwest Florida. My first year, we went 32 and two, went to the national championship, lost two times in a row, lost. I like the Brad Stevens. Of basketball, right? But like, but like seventy and four or something. Right. Over two. Uh, sixty-two and six. Okay, you know, coaches know their records. So my birthday's March twenty-second. By the way, it's coming up. If you want to send me something, and my wife said, "Well, let's." Janetta said, "Let's go across the bridge." As you know, Niceville's on the other side of the Bay Bridge. Let's go over to Destin and get something to eat. And so she took me over there and got me some crab legs. I was a happy guy. And so the waiter came up to me later and said, hey, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I'm the head basketball coach over here at Northwest Florida. You know, we just went to the national championship. He goes, I didn't even know they had basketball. <laughs> I'm like, God, I love this place. This is so <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't have to explain to the waiter uh, what your game plan was the last two minutes or whatever. I didn't have to explain like, why Dane Bradshaw was two for 20 and we're still starting him. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a great passer. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's right. Hey, speaking of which, and I'll let you have pl- make plenty of fun of me at me throughout the podcast, but I am curious. I've never really asked you this. You know, uh, you're born and raised in Lone Tree, Iowa. Right. You played baseball at Southern Arkansas, where yeah. you meet your wonderful, beautiful wife. True. But baseball, like, what was the basketball niche? Did you just grow up loving basketball in Iowa? Like, rarely – I don't ever hear of a basketball – uh, college athlete becoming a baseball coach. How'd you get in? Uh, you know, I actually, Dane, I played basketball for three years in college. Um, I played two years in junior college. I played baseball and basketball. I transferred to Grandview College my junior year uh, to play baseball and basketball. I was actually on a basketball scholarship full ride. And then it just didn't go well. I really just, it's the only time in my life I really just didn't like playing. I didn't like, didn't like the situation. So I had some friends of mine from junior college that had transferred to Southern Arkansas to play baseball. And I just took a whim. My parents were not happy. You know, I transferred my senior year to Southern Arkansas just to play baseball, maybe with the hopes of coming back my senior, my fifth year and playing hoops. But, you know, and during that year, we went to the World Series. We got third, um, had a great year. I met my wife, we got engaged. I just, I didn't play my, my fifth year. I, I just did my student teaching, but I really had played all the way up into that point. But to answer your question, I probably changed my life when Lute Olson became the head coach at Iowa, probably in 1974, something like that. Luke came, he changed the Iowa program. I grew up about kind of like you did, you know, you grew up around Memphis. You know, I grew up 10 miles from Iowa City. So I'd go to the Iowa games. Um, you know, Ronnie Lester became my all-time favorite player, still is to this day, college players. And I was just around the Iowa program a lot. They didn't recruit me but they were always good to me. I'd go to practice, and I, I think I fell in love with basketball probably because of, you know, Lute Olsen, and I had a really good high school coach. Well, you've had your share of success in March, um, and you understand what March Madness is all about, Selection Sunday. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the Vols stuff here in a minute. But, see, you, you hear these different things throughout the year or throughout March of, well, it's all about matchups. Well, it's all about seeding. And then, you know, tur- you know, conference tournament momentum. Like, if you had to rank those, though, 
can you rank those? Because, you know, on one hand, because you lived it at Wichita State, you guys had one of the greatest regular seasons in history. You get a one seed, but then all of a sudden, the most talented eight, nine seed, whatever Kentucky was, was right there in your bracket. So, you know, what what, what do you think the most important thing is? You know, I've been thinking about that, Dane, because, you know, watching the show on Sunday, I thought about Michigan going, man, North Carolina is my eight seed? What the heck? You know, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Georgia Tech's like an eight or nine seed, too, and maybe a nine. And if I had them as a nine, I'd be like, man, that is not right. You know. Um, LSU got – LSU, you know, in some ways, I understand the committee. You don't have to say this. I will. But I've said this to Will Wade. Like, nobody's going to do LSU any favors because of the cloud of their program. Right. However, the other part of that is that one seed might have to take on a really good LSU team. You know, I, 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 yeah, there, there, there's no question. I mean, like, like you just said, I mean, we're sitting there 34 and 0 coming out of, um, you know, winning 31 in a row at Wichita State, winning three in a row in the Valley, being the number one seed. And you're like, all right, man, this is awesome. And then an eight seed comes up and it's Kentucky. And you're like, are you kidding me? You know, and then it's Louisville and then Michigan to go to the final four. Now, Wichita State had gone to the final four the year before. So you can't convince me that maybe they didn't want to see that again. I don't know. I'm not saying that, but yeah. the path was not, you know. Well, they love storylines. Uh, you know, it, I, I would say probably seeding. Um, you know, yeah, you got to be playing good and all that. That's a given. I would probably say seeding, and I think there has to be an upset. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll use that this is as an example. When we went to the lead eight in Tennessee. You know, we beat a really good San Diego State team in the first round, and after the game, I remember asking Shea, man, who is this Kawhi Leonard dude, man? Golly, who is he? I mean, he had like 20 rebounds, right? You just thank God he couldn't shoot threes at that time. You know, so Kawhi yeah. Leonard. But then, you know, Georgetown loses to Ohio. You know, so we instead of playing Georgetown, we play Ohio U. No disrespect to them, but we'll take that. You know, and then we get Ohio State in the, in the Sweet 16. We get to the Elite Eight. You know, I, I've said that to uh, – you guys, you think about your the year, your year, you got in, you get Winthrop in the first round, and that's a pretty good matchup. It's a hell of a game. But then you get Wichita State, which you lose to. Yeah. But then the George Mason is the Sweet 16 game. So you got a pretty good path. Greg yeah. Marshall, the year that they went to the Final Four, you know, they beat Gonzaga, they beat Pitt. Great wins. But their Sweet 16 game was LaSalle. Mm-hmm. You know, and no disrespect, but it's like, I think you got to catch one of those too, man. And, um, you know, I think from my experience getting as deep as I've been several times, I think sometimes upsets are important as well. Yeah, you're dead on. And for this year's Tennessee team, my, my whole sort of message or theme has been, even though they had a roller coaster regular season, I was like, man, but their non-conference resume was good enough to, to land them the five seed. And this was, you know, but a couple of weeks ago, it was starting to look like seven, eight, nine. I was like, man, they just, they got to finish somewhat strong. Just hold on to that five seed. Cause then, you know, then you've got a pretty dang good path to the sweet 16. But, but I'm going to take you back to um, y'all's elite, lead eight run, because that was the other example I used on this podcast for, to keep Tennessee fans optimistic. What do you remember about that regular season though? Cause you guys got a six seat going into the NCAA tournament. And that was after um, a, uh, first round exit of the eight nine game the year before of Oklahoma State and you know Tennessee was still regular in the tournament. However, people are like, "Man, c- come on!" And it was, "Hey, is Bruce Pearl going to get back to pressing and all that stuff?" Y'all had Bobby Mays, Wayne Chisholm, J.P. Prince, Scotty Hobson, and a lot of talent. But a six seed wasn't the expectation necessarily for for the fan base. Um, what do you remember about the regular season prior going to the? Well, the regular season wasn't real regular. Um... I remember going to your hometown of Memphis on New Year's Eve day and beating Memphis. And proudly, I can say I've never lost in the FedEx forum ever. And coming home and thinking life was pretty good. I was sitting in my friend's house on New Year's Eve morning. I think Jeanette and the kids were gone because they were at her parents in Louisiana and come across the bottom of the the ticker on ESPN said four players arrested, you know, for, for, uh, Tennessee. And then my phone yeah. started blowing up and I had to get to the office. And unfortunately, you know, we lost Tyler Smith, who was a hell of a player. And, and I love Tyler to this day. And, you know, yeah. so we went through some really some drama, but sometimes that brings you together. And if you remember, 
you know, we beat UNC Charlotte right after that. They were pretty good. And then we had the big game against Kansas. And, yeah. you know, I'll never forget that the rest of my life, you know, and Skyler McThree, you know, making that, that shot. And I remember I had talked him into coming, not recruited him to kind of be, a, you know, to be a walk-on and not a scholarship player at other places. And I think Santa Clara was maybe a place he was thinking about going. I remember after that game saying, who'd Santa Clara play today? You know, and, <laughs> you know, and so that kind of gave us some confidence. Oh, I mean, it didn't, it gave us a, a lot of confidence, you know? And so then we kind of got on a roll. I don't remember the regular season, you know, the SEC. I, I know we played pretty well. We ended up getting. But Tyler, out of the guys that got in trouble, Tyler was the only one that got um, right. picked off, but, right? So then y'all slowly start to bring your roster back. Well, that's back. what I'm saying. We kind of, each guy kind of came back at a different time, yeah. Cam. Melvin, um, Brian, um, big baby, different. yeah, you know, and so, you know, we were piecing it back together, right? And, um, you know, Bobby was playing at a really high level, like you said, JP, Wayne, you know, we had good, we had good players. Kenny Hall was helping us as a freshman. Uh, even Ronald, Ronaldo was playing pretty good off the bench. We just had good chemistry, you know. I don't really remember the SEC tournament, you know, but I remember – you know, getting in the tournament. And in that first game, San Diego State was a battle. And and I remember Melvin made a pretty big play late, score back, yeah. and he's from San Diego. You know, so that was a big play for him. And that's the truth. After the game, I'm like, man, who, who is this Kawi Leonard, dude? And Brian Dutcher and I are really good friends. And and I remember asking him, like, where, who is this guy? You know, well, obviously, he ends up playing for my best friend, Nick Nurse, winning the world championship but later on. Right. I figured out who he was. You know, and then the Ohio game, you know, but let me, I'm going to cut you off there for a second on the Ohio game because, you know, I understand where, you know, the, the players, everybody's like, look, we're ready for Georgetown. Or, um, mm-hmm. you know, under Conzo Martin, Duke got upset uh, by, by Mercer. Right. And it's one thing to be like, hey, well, we're ready for anybody. Right. But I don't, I don't care. There, there is, there is an uh, excitement that comes with, Oh my gosh, we only have to beat Ohio to go to the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, you can't say that, but no. In fact, you gotta calm it down. Like, listen, yeah. fellas, they're here for a reason. Yeah. Right. And I remember they had a little guard named Cooper. Um, I can't remember his name, but DJ Cooper, I think. And, and I remember we were icing these we iced his ball screens and he had a really hard time with it. And that was back when everybody was icing or down in ball screens at that time. We kind of picked I had picked it up actually from when I'm watching the year before watching Utah play um, Gonzaga and Jim Boylan was a coach at, at Utah and he's an NBA guy and he was doing that. I'm like, God, I've never seen it before. So, you know, it helped with that game. I remember, but we just, you know, we were a better team, you know, but you have to still go win the game. And so you, you, as you know, in scouting, you always want to respect your opponent and you have to build them up. Now, sometimes, you know, we build them up to be a little better than what they are. But I think you get somebody's attention when you're in the building and you watch a beat Georgetown. You're like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. we gotta we gotta win our game and then we gotta play. Right. And, and to our credit that we did, you know, and then, you know, we roll into the sweet sixteen into St. Louis and uh, we can go back to Ohio State, you and I, I mean, you know, a crushing one of the most Hardest defeats I've ever had. I've had two in the NCAA tournament. I call the NCAA tournament March Madness turns into March Sadness. Yeah. You know, in your first year, you had a crushing loss, you know, after a great win. Uh, not your first year. But and we felt year. good. I mean, yeah. and man, we, we felt really good. We had the um, – in, in terms of like, all right, you you want all the things to kind of line up. You, you want a little bit of momentum from the end of the year. You want a good seed and you want good matchups. And when we got that that five seed against Virginia, or excuse me, uh, Long Beach State, who had a lame duck coach, we're like, and we, we smacked them. I mean, we smacked them. And I then thought a JUCO game broke out early late in the game. You <laughs> had a high ball screen, and Ramar Smith drove it down the lane like from half court and laid it up. I looked at Shane. I said, "Is this a JUCO game?" I mean, we scored 124 freaking points in a game. In a I know. I think I had like three. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no. But I, yeah, I was good. I was getting my assist total up for sure. Yeah, but you know, you're right though. It's the matchups, and then Virginia was like, all right, we can live with that. J.R. Reynolds was balling on us, but oh, yeah, he hurt his ankle a little bit, and that that helped us. 
Um, but we were in that Ohio State bracket, and and we had played Ohio State earlier in the year in the regular season, and we were smaller, but we felt like we had a good game plan for Greg. I mean, if Lofton can make a free throw, we win the game. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, of all people, I mean, I called him Mister One and One Buckeye. Buckeye, remember that? I called him Buckeye to piss him off, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, but you had experienced it, like. Wichita State, and I had experienced it my first year in the tournament. It was that same year you went? Yeah. You know, we beat Syracuse in the first round at A&M. Mm-hmm. And they had just made their huge run through the NC, through the Big East tournament, McNamara. And I just was teasing him about it because he's assistant at Syracuse. You know, and we beat him. But then we caught LSU with Tyrus Thomas and those yeah. guys. And they beat us at the buzzer. You know, Daryl Mitchell made a three at the buzzer to beat us. And they go to the final four. So, you know, March Madness, March Sadness. And, and that was a crushing loss. So then we go in the Ohio State game. Like you said, we had confidence, right? We knew we, knew we could beat them. And we but I'll say this, and I, I've been open about it, and I love all my teammates. But, you know, I was the only senior on that team. We had a few juniors. Um, you know, but our slogan was deserve victory. Right. You know, and, uh, and that, that served us well the prior year. But we were really young with some new guys that were – immature knuckleheads at times. So at the same time, I was in that locker room and, and we blew a 17 point lead. But even looking back on to this day, I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure we deserve to advance. Like, and, and I, I look, I'm not bashing our team, but there are times where you, you want to be able to look around and say, all right, we left it all out there. We played extremely hard. Our game plan was there. Y'all coach your butt off. Um, but you know, the veteran type stuff does matter. Um, you know, Wayne Chisholm's urgency against uh, – look, I love Wayne. But Wayne Chisholm, the way he played against Ohio State the second time around as a senior, he was a freaking monster, you know. And so – but w- with that in mind, you your best teams that you've ever coached don't always get the privilege to advance the furthest because of some of these upsets. No, 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 no. no, no what, is, what is a team that you've had that you said, man, I never thought that team – could do any damage in March, yet ended up getting further than you expected. Damn, we went to the Elite Eight. Got to be the Elite Eight. All right, on the flip side of that, what what about the team that you said, man, that's one of the most talented teams. We just didn't have our game. The year before. I mean, we went 30 and four. We were awesome. I go back and watch those games, those, those, those YouTube things sometimes late at night when I can't sleep. And I watch us, our team that went won the SEC for the first time in like, 40 years, and that team was legit. Now, this was this was the number one seed team, right? No, or the, two, because of the tournament. Excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all got number one ranking that year, the Memphis. Yeah, but I think we got – we lost the number one seed because of the tornado. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we barely beat South Carolina first game. I know we had just crushed them. You know, yeah. it's crazy. Dave Odom was the coach. Now he comes to my practices. It's crazy. But um, had the tornado not hit that night, we are going to have 20,000 fans. In in there, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, we're not losing to Arkansas. And Stephen Hill made a crazy opposite shoulder jump shot to beat us. No way, George is beating us yeah. in, in, in the dome. Now you know it's different when you don't have any fans. What we just went through the COVID era, you know, doing. But um, that team was re- that might be one of the, that team and the team that I coached or helped coach at Wichita State that was thirty five and. Yeah, oh, or whatever. That team, those two teams are the two of the best teams I've ever been a part of. I may, yeah, I may have had my years mixed up. I forgot that that was your your elite eight run was, I guess, following that. Yeah, that one. team, that team was was because um, you had everybody back, and I'm, I'm happy to make fun of myself. But the only person you lost from the previous year was me, and you replaced me with Tyler Smith. And you yeah, guys we didn't have our powerless power forward back. <laughs> by far. One of the greatest passers I've ever coached, and and I, I say that with all truthness to that, you know. But I remember at halftime, Ohio State, and you, I will tell you this: I think it's some coaching too. Now, um, very rare have we seen a flat back straight up the middle ball ball screen. You know, a flat ball screen in the middle of the court. And for well, for our listeners, you're you're talking my senior year, 2007, Sweet 16, mm-hmm. up 17 at the half. Mike Conley, Greg Oden. Right. We're, we And everybody, all Tennessee fans remember we're whipping their ass, okay? Yes. And I'm liking it. And But remember T. Jones at halftime, I'll never forget this. He said, Boris, man, I don't think we could lose this game. And I'm like, don't <laughs> say that, you know? 
I looked at him like, come on, T. So they go flat back ball screen second half, and Conley's getting downhill. And he probably owes me part of his salary for what's making him look good when he got – because, you know, he went from really no kind of a guy to being a lottery pick, right? I, I Conley was probably coming back for his sophomore season. No question. And then he explodes against us and becomes a lottery pick. And so – and you got to remember, who's, who are we looking at down to go to the Final Four? Well, it's Memphis. Yeah. We them at home, right? So yeah. it's perfect. You know, and so now I'm kind of an emotional wreck because AM had played the game before and those were all my guys and they lost at the buzzer and I was feeling like crap. And so we go into the game, now we're whooping them. They go flat back, straight up ball screen in the second half. Conley's getting downhill and I'm yelling to be, hey man, we just need to trap it. You know, trap him and make throw it to Odin at the three point line. It don't matter. He's not gonna do anything, but we just couldn't get it done, man. And so I remember after that game, that loss, me and Shay went to – I was like, we got to figure out how to do this. So we went to see Lawrence Frank. We spent two days in New Jersey Nets training camp watching them defend, and, and that was my biggest concern was how to defend that because that wasn't really something that a lot of teams were doing. Um, I had seen it in 2000, early 2002, a little bit when we played Florida one time when I was at Louisiana Tech, but they had David Lee and Justin Hamilton. But – it hurt us. And so I got to take someone to blame too, you know, as far as, uh, as a coach, you know, that we didn't probably have the, the greatest scout, you know, the plan for that. Now I did want to trap it. And I think that was the way to do it. But as you know, and it was, I mean, and that's kind of how we were that year though. I mean, we were, we were capable of coming back from 17 to 20 points like we did oh, yeah. against Kevin Durant, but we were capable of giving that big of a lead up too. I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's yeah, just, yeah. But a lot of great teams were kind of like that. Some of my best, my teams at ETSU, you know, we could get down. You were kind of like Seabiscuit, you know, we had to get a sniff of you going around the track and then we're going to, we're going to blow by you, yeah. you know, and that, my teams were kind of like that sometimes. Last year, when we won 30 games, we could get we'd get behind, but then we'd like, all right, we'd get mad and say, all right, let's go, you know, and then we'd we'd win, you know, and I think that's a sign, you know, of a great team. You know, I I understand what you're saying, but I also think there was some really good guys on that team too. Now, you know, that that lost to Ohio State, and and so I think it's a combination of a lot of those things. But what's interesting though is is we thought you know the prior year before you joined the staff, but. You know, C.J. Watson was our point guard. Um, Andre Patterson was a really good player. Major Wingate was still on the team. Um, we had – we had you. I think we probably had a better team that previous year, but we peaked way too early. Whereas the next year, we were younger, but we started peaking towards the end. And I always felt like, hey, man, we were uh, – you know, even though we were younger, and Wayne and those guys and Ramar – may have had some maturity type issues, but they were, they were, and they were only freshmen. However, we were playing better entering March than the year before. And so much of it's just, when are you playing good at the right time? It's time. And, and, you know, as a coach, people have always asked me, well, you know, how do you get your team to peak? I don't think there's no recipe for that, buddy. I mean, if we had it, we'd all be doing it, right? It's just timing. It's just kind of um, maybe trying to put in some new things with an older team and trying to keep them fresh. But with a younger team, like you just said, it's just playing time, man. And it's just um, getting the opportunity to compete each night at a high level. You start to gain more and more confidence. And, and so you're right. You know, Ramar, Duke, Wayne were freshmen, you know, and those guys are playing starting or playing major minutes. And so the more they played, the more confidence they got. And you're right. Like the, like the great example was the Texas game, which was an unbelievable one of the loudest times I think I've ever heard Thompson Bowling was when, you know, we took it out on the side and where we went 55 on the side and got the turnover and the place erupted. At the five-second call. And, and, and Rick Barnes says he's watched that film plenty of times. He said it was still only four seconds. <laughs> I played in Texas before, okay? They count to three over there. Now. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Coach Barnes and I have become great friends. And, you know, and, I, and it's weird how, you know, I was at A&M when he was in Texas and we had some battles, you know, great games. And then playing him there, you know, in Thompson Bowling and then being at East Tennessee State, you know, we just, we've become really good friends. I think he's a hell of a how, how have you seen him evolve? He's been very open about how he's yeah. a person and yeah, coach. I'm going to be honest with you. I, they weren't very complicated on offense 
at Texas, and they played a lot of zone. Um, you know, they but they had Kevin, they had you know Buckman, they had Aldridge. I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge, PJ Tucker, Daniel Gibson. I mean, you crazy. You know, they played probably ran about two or three things. It was my scout, and and he let those guys play, and they played zone. I think when he came to Tennessee, he's been a lot more complicated on offense. I mean, they run more of a. I know he's tight with Bob McKillop, you know, at Davidson. They're a lot of more of a motion team, a lot more um, screening and cutting and moving the ball. And then defensively, I think they're a nightmare. Um, and I, I, I don't watch Tennessee a lot this year because this is hard. But early in the, when we were going through our COVID break shutdown, I thought they were dominating defensively. Like, I was watching uh, – like, what's his name? Keontae Johnson, I think. Yeah. Is that his name? He reminded me like Gary Payton. I mean, he was out there guarding the ball. I was like, who the hell can bring the ball up the floor against this guy? You know, yeah. Springer, I've seen him play a lot because of Bobby being his AU yeah. coach. And, and honest truth is he's a lot better player than I thought he was going to be in college. He's an NBA player. I didn't see that in AAU. Um, you know, somebody complained to me one time, a friend, I won't name his name, from Tennessee about Fulkerson, you know, senior. I said, has there been a player in the history of – Tennessee basketball has got more out of his ability than John Fulkerson. I really – I recruited John Fulkerson at East Tennessee State and Jordan Bowden. Like, I don't typically recruit against SEC teams. I thought right. that was his level, okay? Um, I have the utmost respect for that kid because I think he's gotten the, the most out through injuries, through all yeah. that stuff. He's done way more at that school than I ever dreamed he could do. And mm -hmm. so – Nobody should be complaining about Well, and, and if you're not playing well and the team is, is hurting because of it, it, it just shows how valuable you are. Like, hey, uh, we got to have it. I don't have the investment anymore. I didn't, I didn't you know, you, I don't know. I didn't see one game in the league, okay? Yeah. But I just know what he's gotten out of his ability, man. Yeah. And he's really – well, he's turned like – I mean, he got the elbow. I don't know if you saw it the other night. He got the Omar Payne play, yeah. So, hopefully he, he can get out of the concussion protocol and everything else and be cleared to play. But yeah. you're right, he, he had a, a tough senior season. However, he started to get that confidence back here the next um, – the last couple games, play like himself. And, and you mentioned Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer. I mean, Tennessee can be – you mentioned some of that, that break-you-down stuff. I know you hadn't uh, – scouted them necessarily this year but to me the the freshman Jaden Springer Keon Johnson they're the two guys that can break you down and go get well, you a bucket everybody yeah. knows Rick Barnes likes to share I, I keep saying this but Tennessee it can be a thing of beauty when they're getting you know 70 percent of their makes off of assist but then when you take that away what can they do well, well that's where these freshmen can come in and come in and get you a bucket well you just said it when we went to the sweet 16 almost to the elite eight with some freshmen you know, and, and and why can't they with these guys? Because they're gaining, gaining more and more confidence. And you're exactly right. You know, the other day I watched a little bit, and they got into their motion stuff where they're, you know, I call it a Davidson cut to a stagger, to a curl. They're swinging it, moving it, moving it. And then, like you said, okay, shot clock's at 10. What happens? Well, Jaden goes and make a play. Uh, Keon goes and makes a – Johnson goes and makes a play. When they get help, they kick, and they find the open guy. You know, and so – but with that, don't you agree? I mean, the, the guard play, as much as you like Fulkerson Ponds, March is guard play, man. It's all guards. I mean, Who, who's the best guard you've seen or that you've coached in, in the NCAA tournament where he just took over a tournament? Oh, man. In the tournament? That's a great question. I mean, um, you've had Fred Van Vliet. I mean, you, you've, yeah, you've had some I mean, good ones. Freddie, I mean, coaching Fred, yeah, I mean, he he's special. You know, when we beat Indiana and Kansas, my my second year, right? I got the East Tennessee State job that week, and then Coach Marshall asked me to keep it quiet because of my relationship with the players. You know, he just didn't want it to be out there. He was yeah. so happy for me. So we went to the – I actually took the job in the hotel, and we were playing Indiana first game, and we beat them. And then we had the big game against Kansas, and it was my scout, and it was my 50th birthday. I mean, it was all lined up, you know, and I remember the uh, – um, you know, the night before I did the scouting report and, and we beat him, you know, and Fred was Fred. I mean, he just, he might not have let us in scoring. Like Evan Wessel made some threes, but 
I mean, Freddie's just a hell of a player. He's just a basketball player, you know. And I'm going through the draft. I remember telling a couple of GMs, he's not going to grade out on the on the vertical and the cones and all that stuff that don't matter. But he is a basketball player, and you know, you see what has happened. And several of those GMs have called me and said, "You were right. You know, you should have. We should have taken him." I mean, just quick thinking about it. I mean, yeah, Fred. But a guy like that, like, it's it's also – it's not just like you mentioned the grading out. When it comes to March, it's like, who's a winner, man? Who's just oh. a complete dog and oh. that just refuse to lose type oh. stuff? I mean, dude, we – that, That's where you throw potential draft grades out the dang door and just yeah, – Listen, yeah. we went 35 – 35-1 and one and 30-4 and four in the two years I was there. It wasn't me, you know. And they went to the Final Four the year before that. Think about that. You know, and then I leave. Yeah. And they have one more year. But, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, we had – like, Lofton was a, a great player, man. But I don't really remember in the NCAA tournament him really ever doing like what he did to Memphis that night his junior year. And I was like, oh, my God, who was that? You know, and I, I had just come back. I was at a 6 a.m. practice that morning with Chris Singleton, you know, that I thought we were going to get and went to Florida State. Yeah. I mean, I come back thinking I didn't even I wasn't even there for shoot around any of that stuff. You know, we go to the game and oh my god! I mean, he just remember that he put him on. That was the Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah, we had Memphis. We were still doing the home and home then, and Chris just went nuts in the first half, and we I mean, never they, looked they back. Had their whole team trying to guard him. He was yeah. making them all fall down. You know, it was I never seen. And then you know, because I remember telling you, you remember I was like, Ooh, Chris Loft. I mean, you know, in practice he's like, he's you know, he's all that. Yeah. You know. And, but then I remember we went to – before that, we went up to Nashville early to play Oklahoma State, and they had Marcus Dove, you know, and I had come from out oh, yeah. 12, and he was like the Big 12 defensive player of the year. And this dude is straight giving him buckets. Yeah. Like, you're switching Marcus Dove onto him, and he's giving this dude buckets. And then the most athletic player on the court tipped one in for the game winner, Dane Bradshaw, and he couldn't raise his arm. <laughs> even, even faked a shoulder injury just in case I missed, you know. He was raising his arm to, to give the pump. You know, so, I mean, Chris was, I mean, I don't even know how to explain him. You know, he, I use him as an example all the time with my players about, you know, a guy that had the most confidence in the world. Like he deserved to make those shots because he put the time in. Yeah. And then when he missed three or four in a row, he just knew the next 10 were going in. He wasn't shaking his head. Yeah. I used to tell Cam Tatum that all the time his freshman year. You know, Cam was one of those guys. He scored a thousand points in his career at Tennessee, but, Early on, you know, his self-talk was terrible. You know, he, uh, I say, look at Lofton. Does he ever do that? Ever, you know? And so some of those things you can't teach, right? Yeah. And, um, and, I, and guys like that get up for the best competition, you know, on um, – yeah. like, you know, Chris, when it was like non-conference and we'd be playing, um, I don't know, a UNC Asheville or something, mm -hmm. and everybody's trying to get – you know, we're winning by 20. Like, that's when he's the – like least interested at all he's like all right i'm cool just having six points this game you guys go ahead and get your career highs and next game when everybody's taking that away because you guys really aren't that good I'll, I'll be here when you need me i'll get a seven threes oh, he's the ultimate team player I, I coached another guy that i signed at tennessee that did that i took to northwest florida you know chris jones from memphis oh yeah he's the ultimate competitor i've ever because it was his biggest strength and his biggest weakness right i mean incredibly, like, to the point in practice, I'd have to calm him down. Well, you guys, yeah, you and Coach Shea and Brooke Savage will still, you know, y'all could y'all could do a whole 30-minute episode on the Chris Jones come from, what were y'all down, like, 15 with two minutes to play or something really? crazy? And it, what, the greatest shot ever, and in in the, now this is the greatest shot I've ever halfway seen in the history of my career. We were down one, I think, with three seconds to go to lead junior college at home. And I never lost a game, home game in Northwest Florida. And they shoot the miss. They, they missed the free throw. They're still up one, three seconds, two seconds. I'm walking towards the coach like, and I cannot believe we just lost. The ball goes shooting over my head. Chris Jones got the rebound, shot it from the free throw line on the other side of the court and swished it. <laughs> and I didn't see it go in because all, I was walking towards the coach like, I mean, I'm like yeah. distraught, right? And I hear the crowd just go nuts. I turn around, and Chris has already got his shirt off. You know, the old <laughs> – and I'm like, what happened? And 
I swear to God, I got it on tape. He shot a jump shot from the other free throw, from the opposite free throw line and switched it. Unbelievable. Yeah, so we, and there you are in the locker room, and like, guys, way to never quit your resiliency. Oh, never no, mind the fact that no. I was already walking off the court to that. No, I said, I said, well, what a great play I drew up there, man. God dang, you know, I, we got to practice that tomorrow. Yeah. You know? um, hey, I'll give do a couple more for you. I'll let you go. You, you were part of, um, and I hate to just keep bringing up COVID stuff and and pandemic, yeah. but. At least last year at ETSU, you guys had a chance to cut down some nets by winning the conference tournament. Um, you you got the auto bid, but man, there's nothing like playing in, in March Madness. Yeah, take take me back to your message to the team when the things canceled. Did y'all yeah. huddle up in the locker room, and, and was that one of the tougher conversations you've ever had with the team? Yeah, no question. You know, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the week before the tournament, Dane. Pat Good scored 17 points in five minutes to come back and beat Western Carolina at home in front of a sold-out crowd. And we so we cut down those nets for the conference regular season championship. Like you said, we go to Asheville. We run through the tournament, basically. We won double digits every game. We won 12 in a row. We cut down the nets. And so I remember going home uh, on the bus on that Monday night, and I was on the Freddie Coleman show on ESPN. And the guy said, Freddie Coleman asked me, what do you think of COVID? I said, well, what do you mean? Like, I mean, it wasn't right. It wasn't in my head. Like, we just played in front of like six thousand people, dude. You know, like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll be safe. You know. Yeah. So the next night, you know, Greensboro, they're playing, starting to talk about a little bit more ACC tournament. I'm kind of watching it, and then Wednesday, Rudy Gobert walks off the court. They, you know, they walk off yeah. the court with the NBA, and I'm like, oh crap, you know. So. I was supposed to have practice on Thursday, you know, and we didn't have it because I didn't know what to do. And then I, I drove home Thursday night. I was in my car going home at like five o'clock and they canceled the NCAA tournament. And I was, I, mean, I had six seniors, you know, and um, now I got to go have this meeting, right? <clears throat> so I remember it was noon on Friday. I had the president in there. I mean, it was hard, man. It was a lot of crying. Little did I know it was going to be the last time I would see these guys. Yeah. That's the other part of it is I didn't, you know, I didn't take the Wake Forest job until basically May 1. Right. So, you know, I'm trying to tell them the great, like, you know, I'm trying to remind them all the great things that happened in the back of my mind. I'm trying, I'm fighting for them to get another year of eligibility, but I know that's probably not going to happen. And we got all these guys are going to scatter now and never come back. And, you know, I thought I'd see the underclassmen again. And then when I got the job, I couldn't say goodbye to him. I had to do it on a Zoom, you know, and that, that was really hard for me because I was really close. Like, I'm close to you. Yeah. I'm close to all those guys. And so, um, you know, I feel bad because I was watching Selection Show Sunday and I'm thinking to myself, you know, that team I had was really good now. I mean, I'm not telling you we would have won. depends on the matchups. Mm-hmm. But we were going to have a pretty good seed. And whoever saw us coming down that line was going to be like, Oh boy. Yeah. You know, and we had a lot of confidence. Right. We had a lot of older guys. We had size and we had guards and we could shoot the ball and we had all, we had the whole thing. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things you're always going to wonder, right? You know, like what could have we done? And, but we're never going to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine you're, you know, you're at a loss of words and nobody's ever, every coach I've talked to this year is like, look, we're going through this for the first time. What do you tell them? And, and, you know, they, they've, they've allowed this year's seniors to come back for an extra year of eligibility. And, and I get it to a degree. And I don't know how you could have ever done it last year. It, it, it's way too complicated, but part of me thinks, even though play uh, teams this year and seniors didn't get to have the full experience, they're getting to finish the season. Like if I had my vote, I would have picked last year's seniors, you know, that, that didn't get a chance to compete in March, but you know, there, there's no, there's no right answer. You know, it's just, not, you know, I, I just kind of felt that way because that's what you play for. Right. I mean, that's what you, you, you aim for and to have it pulled out from under you, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard to, you're never going to replace that. Yeah. You know? And it's not, it didn't have anything to do with them. It's a virus. You know, yeah. and so I don't know. I mean, I know this, if they let them come back, 
we'd had us a ball team at East Tennessee State because they all would have come back. Yeah. They, you know, they all play in professionally at some level. You know, that's the thing about mid-major. You know, most, you know, those guys aren't thinking about NBA, right? They yeah. know that, um, that it's uh, probably overseas for them. And one of the things I'll never forget, I don't know, when Chris, Chris Jones had signed with Louisville his sophomore year, and this was the year they won the national championship. So I went to Louisville to watch practice for a weekend, me and Shea, and watching Coach Patino. And I remember one thing he said to the players I thought was really important. He said, guys, you need to enjoy this because this will be the last time in your life where the fans truly love you. He said, a year from now, you're going to be playing in the NBA, and those fans, they only care about one thing, winning. And if you go overseas, they only care about one thing, as you know. They don't really care about you. But these fans genuinely love you. They love you as a person. And I, I always remember that, and I always use that with my teams every year. Is it, it, you know, you have to embrace the moment and understand how much these people, how great they feel about you. Yeah, right? that's a great point. There's a bond, and people kind of feel like they're their own kids, so to speak, that sort of yeah. thing. Well, on a on a brighter note, um, you've coached a lot of teams down the stretch, won some clutch games as an assistant coach, head coach. Whether it was you as an assistant or as a head coach, what's the what's the best play call you've drawn up in the waning moments of a game? Well, it was simple. always deflect praise and give credit to the yeah. players in the media. But what's the thing that you're like? You know what? I I was a bad mf'er in that late yeah, game. It was really simple. It was a out of bounds play. After we'd come back from Hawaii, when I was at Wichita State, my second year, we lost to George Washington in the finals. Um, didn't play well. Um, we were playing Illinois State at home in a big game. We were, you know, we had that fatigue of that week in Hawaii and traveling back, and they were playing a really kind of complicated zone out of bounds. It wasn't my scout, but I had noticed that they were kind of leaking out toward the corners. So I had – we basically set a screen to Kel Cotton, who's one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Basically, he kind of hit out, kind of faked like he was going out, and then we set it like a, a, a middle screen for him. He came down the middle lane, and we threw it to the rim. And he almost knocked a cheerleader out. I swear to God, if you look it up, he dunked it so hard, it, it almost killed a cheerleader. <laughs> you know, and it, it changed – you know, it was like four minutes left in the game. And you can see Marshall running down the court – fist pumping me like yeah let's go you know and I'm like but that was just something that was random you know yeah. that wasn't like uh some play we had worked on and and, and it, it coach ain't one of those guys to be doing a lot of things that we don't work on either right and I'm that way too I'm like no 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 but he trusted me you know and and we did I mean that's something off the top of my head that you know uh, no I mean that's part of it though you gotta be able to have some in-game adjustments and, and the key to having a staff that you trust and and you're seeing something that he's not seeing and vice versa yeah, I mean, you know a lot of times when it's your scout you're a lot more locked in right it wasn't mine but you know I just saw that and I don't know it just worked you know now had it worked oh my god I probably got fired I don't know but um you know, you, sometimes you just gotta you gotta go with your gut feeling. That was one of the things I always remembered reading. You know, Dean Smith's books was how much he trusted Roy Williams on the bench, just as a young guy. You know, just starting out, like he always had a good feel for the game. And I think we do we do a pretty good job of that. I think you know Shay and I were really good at that together for a long time. You know, and and uh, we do it here. You know, we adjust. I think adjustments are are huge you know they, they, they make the difference in the game there's sometimes they're just little things but little things turn into big things and so you know that's that's something that's like kind of off the top of my head all right last thing let you go here you, you filling out a bracket uh, you got a final four prediction i never do that you know it's against the rules dane for me to uh don't bet on it. Um, I know you. I know you. I'm not asking you if you're if you're going to Vegas and and uh -huh. doing an ACC coaches pool of money. I just didn't know around the house if you and Janetta have a friendly little uh, a bracket on your refrigerator or something. That one year, I think I, I just have never done it because I'm the worst at it. Because I always just pick my friends, you know, or you know, <laughs> you know so I like so and so because you know I think that they can, you know, I hope they can win now. If I had to look at it, I mean, everybody's going to go with Gonzaga, rightfully so. And 
Baylor. I think Illinois is playing really well right now. Um, and not just uh, DeSumo, but Corbello is a tremendous point guard. Cockburn, I mean, he looks like he could be in starting defensive tackle on the blind side. Um, He'll appreciate you not pronouncing his last name correctly, too. I'm yeah, sure. that's a, I'm not I'm trying. Sure never, I'm sure he's really, never struggled with that. I'm really not really trying to. Um, I think Brad, you know, I've known Brad, he coached Dodge City when I was at Barton County. And yeah. You know, um, I like their team a lot. You know, out of our league, um, you know, Florida State could get rolling. I mean, guys, I mean, when you play them, you look at their size in person, you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, um, but they got to get going, you know. But they've got the type of team, you know, that that, that really could. Um, so, you know, some of those picks, you know, out of the Big Ten, like I said, Illinois. But, you know, Michigan's had a tough injury. I don't know how that's going to affect them. Um, I don't know if there's some other teams. Or probably, there's always some team you're not really thinking about to kind of, like you said, gets a couple upsets, gets through the bracket. But um, Virginia Tech, I think they're they're way underseeded. I I would not want to see them ever. You know they play. And of course, you know I've been coaching against Mike Young for so long. His teams play so freaking hard, and then they execute. They're hard to play, especially if you don't really yeah. understand them. Like you haven't played them, they're gonna run a lot of stuff, and you're gonna be ready to go. And so that I can see them kind of surprising some people too out of our league. And yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't well, know. I'm a big fan of, of, of Mike Young's. I know you are too, but it, it's guys like, you know, that I've seen in the SEC, whether it be uh, Kermit Davis or Mike Young at Virginia Tech and then Steve Ford, Forbes at Wake Forest. I, I think um, no BS are really inspiring journeys, guys that have paid their dues, no shortcuts. Yeah. And when it used to be, and nothing against some of the young and up and coming coaches, but it used to be a, you know, it was always, an athletic director trying to find the young coach that just went to the Sweet 16 in one year. And they're always overlooking the guys in their 50s that like, hey, yeah. you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And, and it's been neat to watch <laughs> y'all's success. And I know more is coming. Uh, for the I got to tell you real quick a funny story about that. So I was interviewing – basically, I didn't even really interview. I, now that I think back on it, I think they just tried to talk me into taking a job. So they came out – which East Tennessee State came out to Wichita to watch practice, right? Yeah. So Dr. Nolan, the president, is the best. And Dr. Sander, my AD, the best. They came, they took me out for dinner. So I, we're talking, and, and so I get up to go to the bathroom. Now, you know, they're drinking, they, they come, they want the wine order or the beer order. I'm like, all right, I'll drink water. I'll be cool about this. All right, so I drink too much water, so I got to go to the bathroom. So I get up. Now, I don't know this till later, and Dr. Sander, the AD, asked Dr. Nolan, what do you think of him? And Dr. Nolan says, well, he's not very corporate. And uh, Dr. Sanders said, that's why we need to hire him. He's a basketball coach, you know. And so I'll never forget him. He's not very corporate. You're like, hell, I'm doing all I can not to drink a bottle of wine with you guys. I'm trying, this is the most corporate polish I could do. He's not very corporate. And so every time, and I have the best relationship with him, Dr. Nolan, like every time I see him, I'm like, well, he's not very corporate. <laughs> I said, how do you like those 30 wins, 27, 26, 25, 24? He's like, I like it. I like it. You know, yeah. so um, you never know. Like you said, you get your, you know, here's the thing. You got to you, – you hope you get your chance, and when you do, you got to you gotta take advantage of it. You know, it took me all the way to 50, you know, to, to get a Division One opportunity. And, but it's, it's a proof in life that you can't hit a single and land on third base. You know, you got to work your way around the bases. And then, as you know, sometimes in life – you know, you're going to get knocked down, and how are you going to handle it? You're going to get bitter, or you're going to get better. And you know, I just felt like, you know, you move, you be accountable, and you move on. And and you know, I, listen, you know, these people don't know our relationship, but you know, you helped me at a time when I I didn't ask for it, you know, and you you stepped up and helped me and Coach Shea in a time when we were really hurting, and I'll never forget that. You know, uh -huh. one of the proudest moments of my life was being able to to repay you, you know, to help you. And I and I, I never knew if I – but honest truth is when you go through something like that, Dane, you never know if you're going to get back to that point. You know, you just don't. And, and But you got to stay uh, – you got to stay faithful, man. You got to stay – you got to keep plugging. And we did. And, and here we are, you know, we're in the ACC now. And, you know, I'm from a town of 32 – you know, I graduated 32 people in a town with one stop sign. And, you know, yeah. here I am, coach, looking down the bench now going – you know, that's Roy Williams down there and Coach K, you know. Um, 
Those well, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate. We, uh, a lot of these student athletes, I hope, I hope they realize what they got and take advantage of the great relationships and lifelong relationships that, that they can get out of it. Uh, you, Shay, all those guys I got to play for. Um, even even the coaches I've, I've, I've lost with, um, you know, over the years, Chris Ferguson, Ed Conroy, all these guys that I call friends to this day. Um, you guys are easy to be there for. I know you'll be there for me. And uh, yeah, you guys, and I know I know one thing for you and Shay both, you'd say, uh, yeah, you guys have continued to, to work through adversity and all those other things to get to the point that you're at, man. But it, it's, uh, it's, not well, just, it's not just coach speak when they say, I've got a great wife and great kids, man. That's the hardest part of this gig is moving your family all around and coming in the door and saying, hey, we got to go here or we got to go here now. And, and y'all, y'all have nobody's faced, nobody's faced the adversity that you face by having Mike Bradshaw as your father. I mean, I mean, that is adversity, okay? I mean, your mother has meant Mother Teresa. She is Mother Linda. I mean – I mean, are you serious? This much is true. This much is true. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, Mike Bradshaw was already ruining your reputation at Pompano Joe's that you tried to, you oh. tried to keep at a somewhat corporate oh. level over there. Shocking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we could go all the way back to the wedding. You know, uh, when I was <laughs> the wedding crasher and made a chapter. You know, I at least got a couple paragraphs in the book, which by now is in a federal prison somewhere. But. Um, yeah, ETSU could have – they could have asked me real quick if there was anything corporate. I could have given them a, a lot – whatever search firm that they paid to, to find out if you're corporate or not, they could have just given me half price. I could have, well, could have answered one that. of the best pictures on the bar here in the house is you and me. So, I mean, you know, it, it, you, know how, you know how we think of you. That's right. Well, I appreciate everything, man. This uh, – you, you, you went long for me. Thanks. This, we'll have to do this as a two-parter. So, this is uh, – no. We're, you know, I can talk to – you know, I'm like hey, – I'm hoping this is the last time that, that we have a chance to really catch up with you before all your, your media inquiries go through the roof in March. So, yeah. um, hey, but, but uh, in six days from now, and enjoy a birthday that will not be contingent upon winning and losing, but uh, don't get used to it. So. All right, boy, good to talk to you. I, I got to get to my phone here. It's blowing up. All right. See you, man. See you, man. Thanks.